Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Now, now I had a sweet mom, still have a sweet mom, that would drip in Proverbs, you know, throughout my life. Talking trash, being harsh, and she would say things like, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I'm like, we live in a trailer house in the country. Don't we try to get rid of flies? Like, what? I don't understand what this means. Didn't even connect. Oh, my words. That's, that's what's happening? Oh, oh yeah. Or that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's better to live on the corner of a rooftop than with a wife who is like a dripping faucet. I'm like, Mom, I'm 12. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, do you, are you asking me to ask Dad to get on the roof? I don't understand. So we miss wisdom, too, because we didn't grow up in a family or community that said things like that. And then also, our church, theologically, our heritage, can miss wisdom as well. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus as the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the fulfillment of all of those. And know that, man, we love, he speaks truth. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's our substitutional sacrifice. Yes. Oh, he's the king. He reigns with authority over the cosmos, and we're under his loving rule and care. Yes. But we miss something about Jesus when we miss what he says himself. One time he's interacting with people, and a few of the scribes come to him and say, uh, give us a sign about you. That you, you are who you are. Let, let, give us something. And his response is, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. And then he talks about Jonah a little bit. And then he talks about the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba from Proverbs. And he says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now, if you don't know Solomon, Solomon's the greatest, sorry, he's the wisest man that ever lived. Why? Because he asked God when God said, hey, this is what you can ask for anything. And he says, I want wisdom. And God gives it to him. And so, so much wisdom that people from far away lands, foreign countries would come to hear Snuggets of wisdom from him. And you hear what Jesus says? And look, something greater than Solomon is here. What does he mean? Well, you go on and you read 1 Corinthians and the Bible will say things like, it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, but, but who is Jesus? The wisdom of God. You guys are asking for a sign. Someone greater than Solomon is here. The wisdom of God is here. And his name is Jesus. And maybe knowing that, maybe knowing that the wisdom of God is here would open us up to the reality or to the, just the openness to receive the wise sayings of the sage. Now, we're doing Psalms and Proverbs this summer. Today's our first proverb, our look at Proverbs this summer. I want to be clear on a few things before we even get into it. As you approach Proverbs, as we approach Proverbs, you should know it isn't a list of promises to cling to. Where you interpret as, oh, if I do this with my kids, this is actually how it's going to work out. You promise that to me, Lord. Or if I work hard, it's going to actually always end up in, in bearing a lot of fruit. Well, they're not promises to cling to. They're, they're maxims. They're pithy, true sayings about how this world works. And how we get there is that the wise one, the Lord, 
created all things, and so he knows the best way to live in his world. So we need to listen to what he says about how this world typically works. And that's what proverbs are. Like, this is how things typically work. Now, it's not a promise that you say, oh, well, what about me? I worked hard and never saw any of the monetary blessings in my life. What about me? You failed me, God. You didn't, you, not, not all your promises are yes and amen. Look, you failed me. Like, no, 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 these aren't promises to cling to. This is, this is how the world works. Normally, in this world, with this wise designer. So wise people embrace his design. Instead of warring against his design, they believe and enjoy that God knows what he is doing. So people who want to be wise, I say that because I would like to say the wise embrace, but if you're like me, it's hard to say we're the wise. I guess I'm speaking, I should only speak for myself. I'm not wise. But I do know you guys. Uh, I'm not wise. I want to be wise. And so the people that wish to be wise embrace these Proverbs as wisdom for daily life and therefore become wise. They think of the Proverbs like how the Proverbs starts. It's a father talking to his son, and he's grabbing him by the shoulder saying, get wisdom. And so the wise, or people that want to be wise, like you and I would, would do the same thing, would think, oh, the Proverbs are our loving father saying, hey, get wisdom. If it means selling everything else, get understanding. These Proverbs help you think. Proverbs help you decide. W wisdom helps you prioritize. Wisdom helps you thrive. And we need wisdom for money. Now, it's on the top three things of we're not going to talk about, we shouldn't talk about, right? Money, politics, religion. Well, you're in a church, we're going to talk about it, right? Uh, but even us don't like talking about money. Even though in our premarital counseling, money and sex are two of the five subjects. We've got to cover this. We've got to talk about this. And then we don't talk about the rest of our lives. We've got to talk about money. Because money's difficult. We've wasted money. We've hoarded money. We've found our identity in money, our security in it. We felt entitled to it. We need wisdom. And so this morning, a little bit different than normal because this is different. We're not walking through an instructive passage like Ephesians. We're walking through wisdom. We're walking through wise sayings. And so I want us to chew on these. We're going to walk through multiple collections of verses on money or particular things about money. But it would be wise, I'll tell you up front, it would be wise to write these things down, at least the references, and come back and, and chew on the wisdom of God. Before you rush to doing, before you, or before you even hear these things as do this, do this, don't do this, the Proverbs aren't rushing you there. The Proverbs are, prover, proverbs are inviting you to think. To think about money, to think about how you handle money, think about your relationship with money. So there's, there's time here to chew on this, to think on this. And so this is not exhaustive by any means, but let's look at some. Wisdom for hard work and wealth. Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator or ruler 
It prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Consider, think, look around you, look at how God has designed this world. And look, he designed these ants, and how do they work, and how do they prepare? Do, do they need someone over their shoulder micromanaging them? Do they need someone always waking them up in the morning? Hey, you're going to be late again. You're going to lose your job. Now they get up, and they go to work, and they work hard, and they plan and prep. And if you don't consider the ant, and you don't really emulate the ant, poverty is going to rob you. Come on you like a bandit. A surprise. Proverbs 10.4 Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. Now again, this is where I have to say, you, you can't cling to this as a promise. You have to think this is how the, nor- the world typically works. You don't work. You typically don't get paid. That's how the world works. But diligent hands, hardworking hands, faithful hands, continuing, grinding hands, that provides. Wealth obtained by fraud will dwindle, but whoever earns it through labor will multiply it. Proverbs 12, 11, the one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies lacks sense. Chases fantasy. That's, that's maybe that idea of like your side hustle or maybe your wonderlusting. You're always looking for what to do next, and so you disregard what you currently have. It goes to shambles. You lose both. Foolish. Always chasing fantasy. Always think about that next, like, get rich scheme, or like, how can I jump from this to this quickly? Proverbs 14 23 says, There's profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. ESV translates as mere talk, and I think we get that. We've done that, we know people like that. Like, hey, we got this next project. We got this campaign. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's going to look like this. It's going to be better than, than other people because of this. It's going to look like this. And it never comes to pass. It's a dream. It's a pipe dream. A lot of more fantasies, a lot of mere talk. Those don't earn a living. Saying the, the wise work hard knowing that you reap what you sow, that you'll bear fruit from what you put in. The wise works hard for a living. And I want you to see that juxtaposed, because that's what the, the wisdom does. In Ecclesiastes, in Proverbs, juxtaposed. Well, what does the wise do? What does the fool do? Well, the, the wise work hard for a living, but the fool doesn't work, or doesn't work hard. And the fool often does that and, and still expects to be paid, still entitled. So you've got two paths before you, and that's what wisdom is. Think about this. Think about where you're going. Think about where you're heading. What path are you in? But think about, okay, I begin to work hard. I do make money. Well, what do I do? do with money? How do I think about money now that I maybe have some money? Well, there's wisdom on greed as well. Proverbs 119 says, such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. So in your greed, you run after money and get it because you have to have it and you get it dishonestly. 
it ends up taking the lives of those who receive it. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but a blessing will come to the one who sells it. I think we, anytime we hear the word curse, we, we, well, maybe me, we think about God, like God cursing us, but this is, this is life, this is real life. Think about the cursings you muttered when you ran out of toilet paper a couple years ago, right? Because someone is hoarding all of it. One person in this church we know was hoarding all of it. <laughs> and what, what was it? You're cursing, right? That's what happens when people are hoarding and you're in need and you see that they have it and they still hoard and you're like, but what, what about the one who sells it? Who says, yes, you can have some of this. Yeah, you can buy from me. Yeah, I have this. That's why I store this up. Let's do this. Proverbs 22 says, Oppressing the poor to enrich oneself and giving to the rich both lead only to poverty. Both. Stepping, stepping on people to get wealth and paying wealthier people to get wealth leads both to poverty. One more. Don't rob a poor person because he is poor. And don't crush the oppressed at the city gate. For the Lord will champion their cause and will plunder those who plunder them. We we all have choices. You can be greedy, stingy, hoarding, or using others for your gain, but it ends in cursing, destruction, <laughs> poverty. And what do you say in, in chapter 22? And the Lord's vengeance. Greed is foolish because it hurts you. It's foolish because it hurts the, the people uh, around you. It's foolish because money doesn't last. But you see through these what wisdom is getting at or what wisdom does. You know what wisdom does? It asks, where is this heading? Where is the end of this way of life? It shows us there's these different paths. You can take this path with money. You can take this path with money. You can take this path with money. But I'm going to help you make a decision based on where do all three of those end? What is this going to end up for you? What's this going to look like? What's the typical normal conclusion to this way of life? Tells you that and then says, which path are you going to choose? Where are you going to go? And then always says, get wisdom, which means if Jesus has showed you which path you're on, wisdom says, I can step to the other one if I'm on the wrong one. I don't have to keep doing this. Yeah, I've got to this point. There's a lot of train wreck and baggage that got me to this point. And I could be foolish and continue knowing where this ends. Or by God's grace, I can say, oh, let me get on this path. Let me step this direction. So think. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. Help you think. Help us think. Think about your relationship with money. Think about your current relationship with money. How you view it, how you use it, how you spend it, how you get it. Where is that going to end? The path that you're on currently where does it go to? And that's what the sage is asking us. 
Do you see where this is heading? Do you know the end of this path? Do you see it now? Then maybe some of us need to choose a different path. That's wisdom. It can be difficult to make choices. But there's that clarity when we ask for wisdom and we look to the Proverbs and the Lord so lovingly shows us, oh, here are the paths and this is where it's going to go. That helps, that clarity helps us make wise decisions. Doesn't get easier. Wisdom on debt. Proverbs 17, 18 says, one without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. Don't be one of those who enter agreements, who put up security for loans. If you have nothing with which to pay, even your bed will be taken from under you. That, that, should, that should sound strange to your ears, unless you've been mulling on this for years. It should strain, sound strange to your ears because there are commercials now highlighting the ease, the convenience of getting a loan with some cosigner, right? Any cosigner. You got a cosigner? Do it. Get it. The sage is saying, where does that end? Where's that going? What does that path lead to? And then on debt, you know I've got to say it because if you've never read the Proverbs, you've heard Dave Ramsey say this 5,000 times. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, now we talk about, and I've talked about often about in our sin, when we choose sin, when we choose idolatry, and we worship something other than Jesus, and we go down that way, we're, we're volunteering for slavery. We're not slaves. Galatians 4 tells us that you were a slave, you're no longer a slave, but now you're a son. You're a child of the Father. But when we, we sin, we volunteer ourselves for slavery. Well, that's, that's also what wisdom is talking about. In a different way, but he's saying, if you borrow this money, you're volunteering for slavery. You're at the whim. You're at the, the demands. Where does that end? Where is this going? Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all. And this begins to open. So we've seen very specific things about hard work, and debt, and greed. But when, when the Bible asks us to honor the Lord with our wealth, first of all, that means everything, right? You hear wealth, and maybe you only think the cash in your pocket or the money in your bank. No, all of your resources, all of the money, all of your income, all the things that you have that you oversee, bought, take care of, everything. Honor the Lord. Now, how we spend, how we use our possessions reveals our heart. And so I want you to think about just three perspectives on what it, what is, what's kind of a view on, on our possessions, our wealth. Well, there's one, what's mine is mine. <laughs> That's selfish. Selfish people hoard what they have. To really have a, a, a stingy mindset, not generous in giving, sharing what they have, right? It's mine. Second leads to stealing. That's uh, what yours is mine, right? I see it. I like it. I want more of it. Like that's you. You have. I'm going to take it. What yours is mine. Uh, stealing, but also, it, it may not be actual stealing, theft, the action, but it, it leads to a sense of entitlement for sure where you're owed something, and therefore you could steal it or demand it or pressure someone else to provide it. But yours is mine. 
the sage says, whoa, 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 whoa. Is that how things work? No, no, no. What's mine is his. And that's stewardship. What's mine is his. That I'm not the owner, I'm the manager. What's mine is his. And that mentality is the mentality of the wise because you begin to think, use, and relate to money in a different, completely different way if you consider yourself owner or steward. If you're the owner, do as you please. If you're a steward, honor the Lord with all that he's entrusted to you. That's two completely different paths. And now, I know you can envision a path where you're the owner, you make the, all the decisions, you use your money as you see best fit, and that works out for you, and you get richer. But even if that is your life, nothing in comparison to what's in the next. Do you hear me? You can wear yourself out ragged to try to get heaven now. To try to get all the luxuries you can possibly attain, experience, and go to in this life now, or You can wisely work hard, make money, steward your money, and know, trusting, he's not going to withhold anything from me. Anything. My imagination is nothing compared to his. And all the glories of heaven with Jesus in the center is going to be so much better than ever I could amass in this life. So I can work hard now. Bear fruit now. Get paid now. Steward my money. What's mine is his. Which then begins to change how we spend money now and in the future. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. But the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs 27. Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herds. For wealth is not forever. Not even a crown lasts for all time. The the wise play the long game. They keep grinding even when things are going well. Right? Even when they're the king, they're still considering, what's my, what's my bread and butter? It's my herds. What's my main job? What's my main gig? It's this. I, I'm not going to disregard this, leave it to turn into shambles while I'm only looking at this, and I'm going to keep here. Play that long game, knowing that maybe some of this stuff is going to ebb and flow, but here this is steady. Now I'm going to think not just about myself, And I'm not just going to think about my kids' childhood. While they're in my home, I'm going to think about them as adults. And then I'm going to think about how can I bless my kids' kids? The wise play the long game. There's, there's more than just rich and poor. There's just more than poor and rich. And I say that to say that the, the Proverbs give us more categories, helpfully, than what we tend to. 
And that's how we usually think about things. And we so bifurcate and then kind of make those rigid and usually moralize them in some way, right? Or we're, maybe we're in more of the poverty theology camp. Poverty theology being the impression that poor people are the godly people, blessed by God with contentment. Or maybe you've been there and you swung to the prosperity theology side that gives the impression that rich people are the godly people, blessed by God with riches. But, but the Proverbs have already given us more categories than that. Has already said there's, that's too simple, that's too simplistic. Think more about this. That's not the two category. It's not just poor and rich, there's the ungodly poor. And there's the godly poor. And there's the ungodly rich. And there's the godly rich. The ungodly poor in Proverbs, these are referred to as lazy. The ones who chase fantasies, right? The sluggard. The sloth. Their poverty is because of the ungodly decisions they make, which hinder their ability to pay their bills and meet their needs. But then there's the godly poor. These people love, serve the Lord, live below their means. Sometimes they're poor because they've been pressed by the rich. This is seen in the contrast of the wise and the fool, but also the, the godly poor and the ungodly rich. Proverbs 16, 8 says, Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. What's one way I could put that? Scratching by with integrity is better than luxury and inner turmoil because you got there sketchy. Proverbs 28 says it, better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. I, I, <laughs> I think that's where our worlds collide. Because our culture has proverbs about money. Money makes the world go round. Cash rolls everything around me. Cream. Get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all? No? Okay. <laughs> Just going to keep doing the whole song until someone smiles. Our culture has those proverbs on money. This is how you should think about money, right? Get it. What I heard growing up, not from my parents, I'm not putting on them. What I heard, though, a lot growing up, from some of the songs I just quoted, but a lot growing up was what? Get money. Get money. Forsake everything else. Your education, whatever, you, whatever doesn't get you money, forsake all that and get money. Instead of, get wisdom. No, no. Money is really a tool and nothing else. So get wisdom. Use money to get wisdom. Don't forsake wisdom to get money. It's much better, much better, much better to be a righteous poor person than a perverse rich man. The ungodly rich, it's a third category. These people love money more than God, so they use people to make more money rather than using money to love more people. Throughout the Proverbs, they're called the rich, ruthless men, the wicked, the greedy. Proverbs 10.2 says, Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 23.4 do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show 
restraint. Proverbs 28.8 says, He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. This, this is what it works out in the world typically. Does this happen every time? No. But you got all that wealth, what, for it to go to someone else? If it goes to someone wise and caring and compassionate and actually uses it to serve. And then there's the godly rich. These people love God, and God entrusts them to wealth because they're good stewards. They're called the righteous in Proverbs, the generous, those who honor the Lord. So the wisdom is there. there's more than this. Don't pit one versus another or moralize and say uh, to be rich is to be in a great spot or to be poor is in a great spot. That, that's not the issue. The question is, no matter where you're at, are you godly? Are you wise? Last little collection, wisdom on giving. Proverbs 3 says, when it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one to whom it belongs. Don't say to your neighbor, Go away, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow. When it's there with you. That's the image again. I, I want to start a lot of these collections with the imagery because that's what the wise do. They observe and they see and they think. We saw the sluggard at the beginning. We see here, you're just at your house and you got two loaves of bread. And your neighbor comes knocking at 10 p.m. and says, can we have some bread? We can't drive to the store. Our car's broken. My kids want a sandwich. I don't know. It's 10 p.m. This is a terrible situation. And you say, no, come back tomorrow. I'll have it for you tomorrow. That's the imagery. Then the, the Proverbs load up on that and say more about it. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, again, that sounds weird. Because what? When we give, we usually think scarcity. We think, oh, if we're going to give, we're going to lose. Uh, is it going to be okay? But no, living under the wise one says, well, I trust that that's what he does. That, that when I give, he refreshes me. When I refresh others, this is how it's going to play out. Proverbs 14.21 says, The one who despises his neighbor's sins, but whoever shows kindness to the poor will be happy. A generous person will be blessed. For he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 28. The one who gives to the poor will not be in need, but one who turns his eyes away will receive many curses. Now, I've said this a few times, but let me say it how I think this process is working. That the sage is getting at your heart through your thinking. Sage is asking to think about this, to chew on this, to mull over this, so that it begins to change how you think, and then it begins to change how you feel, and then it will change what you do. What I mean is Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The path you choose, the path you stay on, where you keep heading, where you end up, are all directed by your heart. So guard it. Guard it. And perhaps nothing so clearly reveals our hearts as much as money and wealth. That, that, that's why Jesus the one wiser than Solomon, 
the true and better sage. This talks so much about money. Why? Because it reveals our hearts. It shows us where our trust is. It shows us what we treasure. It shows us what we're sacrificing for. It shows us what we worship. And so, in the vein of still trying to help you think and consider, I'm going to walk through a list of different kind of folks. Maybe you'll resonate with one or two. But I just want you to think about this. It's just, again, like a little short statement. It's not a proper, but just a little short statement to think. Where are you at? Where, are your, where is your heart in relationship with money? Number one, the hoarder. Money gives me security, so the more I have, the safer I feel. Maybe that's your heart. Maybe that's how you relate to money. The spender. Money gives me rewards to splurge on myself because I deserve it. My intention is not for you to squirm. If it happens, it happens. But I want you to think about this. I'm not trying to rush through a list like a blog post. I'm trying to join in the, the sages, and what do they do? They say, stop, slow down, think. The avoider, avoider. Money and bills stress me out, so I try and ignore financial matters. Stay away from it. I'll think about it. I'll get into it. I used that, that text from two weeks ago to get out, right? I don't get to involved with things too wonderful and marvelous for me. No, no, God entrusted you with this. You need to steward it. The hater. Money is evil and dangerous, therefore should be given away and not kept. Some of these, we can run under the guise of like, it looks Christian, right? Like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not out here just chasing money. Okay. Are you working hard for it, though, at all? Are you stewarding it? Or you just think it's the worst, and so you stay away from it? Very similar to sex, right? And how we think about it. It's gross. It's terrible. Save it for the one you love. Right? Or money. Oh, it's terrible. Gross. Stay away from it. When, whenever, I don't know what year it happened, but whenever we dropped that prepositional phrase in our lexicon of the root of all evil is money. No, no, no. It's the love of money. We dropped that off. What happened there? It's the love of money. The manipulator. Money buys me influence, control over other people so that I can get them to benefit, benefit me in some way. So you, you, use, you use money. Really over people to really get what you want from them. The show off. Money gives me status through possessions that I can flaunt to other people so that they're impressed by me. But the wise, the wise are generouses, generous or givers. Money is how I show people love because I do not love money and use people, but I do love God and people and use money to show my love. Now, get that twisted and say, like, that's the only way you show your love. Don't hear me that. That's not what we're saying. Okay, I'm saying that, that's how you interact now with money, because you don't have to love it. You have to use people to get it. Now, I said at the beginning, from 1 Corinthians 1, that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And that's where wisdom begins meaning I, I can help you we can help talk about these and we should talk about these things 
We can't let our culture determine what's taboo for us. It can't be taboo for us. It's so bizarre. One of the biggest things that reveal our hearts and we hide it maybe because we don't want to reveal our hearts. But we've got to. But really where wisdom begins is let the one, 1 Corinthians one thirty one. let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? It is essentially the same as what Proverbs says when the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning to, to even get on this path of wisdom for your life. You've you got to come to a place where you understand you're foolish. And you've misstepped multiple times. And that you wouldn't boast in anything but Jesus. That it would start with the reverence of he's the Lord and that's where wisdom begins. To say it a different way, this is heavy. These topics are heavy. Talking about money is heavy. But the good news is that if you're like, if you're literally bankrupt your life right now, if you've shipwrecked your finances, if you feel, if feel and are a slave to four different credit card companies, there's wisdom for you, and he's coming after you. And he's shaking you to say, get wisdom. But not like this. Seven steps of a Gandhi to get to enlightenment. But the reality of Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the wise one. And so you can entrust him with your money but you can trust them with your whole life. Particularly money, think about this way. We were poor, and I, I know this is crazy saying this in a, America, but, but we saw in Ephesians, we're spiritually bankrupt. That's where we were. In the gospel, the good news, the Bible tells us, is that he who was rich, Jesus, the king on the throne for all eternity, forever loved by the Father in the Spirit, the rich one, became poor so that we could be rich in him. What does that mean? That, that, that doesn't mean you're going to get all the money now. It does mean right now, Ephesians 1, you've been blessed by the Father with every spiritual blessing. And all of your longings for money, wealth, or whatever, skewed or not, will be fulfilled in the presence of Jesus in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth forever. So it, it begins with Jesus. He became poor so that you could become rich. And if you don't, if you don't know him, that's what I'm begging you now. The same thing I said earlier, get wisdom. Well, what's wisdom? Jesus, the wisdom of God. So get Jesus. And then for all of us, I'm asking to think, what path are you on? Where, where is this path with money heading? And I know that's big umbrella where what I, I gave five categories underneath that. Different things under money. I know that's a lot, but you need to think about where are you going? Where does this end for you? And take it. Take it as a sage. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine making a Mecca-like trip to some mountain saving or selling everything to get to that point, doing all the work, sweating to climb up the mountain, 
get five minutes with the wisest sage on the earth at that time, hearing what they have to say, and then walking home and not thinking or doing anything about it. And I'm not pre-condemning you for your, un- your inaction this week. What I'm trying to pull you up to is, do you see where you're at right now? You know, a small church building of Fort Worth, also on the mount with the sage. And he's saying, this is how you should think about money. This is how you should feel about it. And this this is what you should do with it. And I'm just trying to come alongside and plead, listen to him. Get wisdom. I'm going to ask him for it again. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom. Wisdom on, on the many choices that we have just in regards to saving, spending, debt, getting out of debt, generosity, sharing with others in need. I I just ask that there wouldn't be a missing or weak link in us that, that we'd revel in Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, but forget him. As the sage, Lord, we need wisdom. So many of the things that we deal with, that we talk about, our marriage problems, the stuff with our, the stuff with our kids, the, the interpersonal stuff in our church, in this family. So much comes down to wisdom, Lord, we need it. We ask for it, not to spend on ourselves, but for your glory and for us to build one another up. Christ's name. Amen.